first reading is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, it's Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, which you'll find on page 193 of the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. It's Paul's prayer for the church at Philippi. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that on the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the Gospel, which is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, 1 to 11 on page 4. Alleluia, alleluia. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people called out of darkness into his marvellous light. Alleluia. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This is the gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, O Christ. As we stand, we pray together. Father, thank you even now for those who have blessed our lives. We pray that we ourselves might be a blessing to others and to the needy world for which Christ died and rose again, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Ten or so days ago I was chatting with a fellow clergyman and I was quite astonished because he related to me that he had a conversation with someone. I was very surprised because this particular person was incredibly hard to get hold of. I've had the privilege of staying in the retreat house in Worcester Diocese called Glasshampton. I uh, don't know if you know that, but Brother Raymond uh, lives there. He's an official religious order hermit. He doesn't go out much. He's got his hut or his cabin or his shed, a little bit more than a shed. I can actually picture it now. And I was quite intrigued to just wonder if I can see him. Does he pop out every now and again? No, that's where he stays. He's a hermit. But this vicar fella has actually met him and had a conversation with him. And the conversation he had with Brother Raymond was incredibly insightful. I said, come on, tell me about him. And apparently he's a kind of life and soul sort of party sort of chap. Strange because he lives on his own, but he writes really good books. Hidden Fire, I remember. I'm not against hermits, official ones. I'm not against closed religious orders or retreat centres. But by and large, the human race and the Christian church gets by by being related to each other. And so today, we're thinking at all saints tied, and it's not saint, it's saints in plural that perhaps should be in our mind's eye. That's God's design for how we are to travel through life uh, together. There's much that could be said about individualism today, whether it's a good thing or not such a good thing. But when God looks at his world, when God looks at his church, he sees us together in the plural. Uh, when Paul describes uh, many of his churches in Philippians chapter 1, we have an example of it there. It's even in verse 1. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. He uses the expression to the church in Colossae. Saints. To the church in Rome. Saints. To uh, the church in Ephesians. Keep on praying for all the saints. To the church in Thessalonica. Pray for the saints continually. It's a descriptive of how God sees the church. We are saints together. And as God's word came through Paul to the church in Philippi, and he deliberately uses this description of them for a particular purpose, so my hope and prayer is that God's word will come to us freshly today as it did to the church in Philippi. It's worth pausing to think how the church started there. Paul was speaking to a lady by a river. Lydia, do you remember? A dealer in purple cloth. An entrepreneur familiar with international commerce and trade even then. 
Paul spoke to her and the Lord opened her heart. And the first saint of Philippi was born into the eternal kingdom of God, a well-to-do businesswoman. And then the church began to be formed. Paul had a hard time of it. He was in jail. There was the ultimate jailbreak. What must I do to be saved as the doors were opened and an angel stood there and Paul led the Philippian jailer to Christ? What must I do? The doors have blown apart. There's an earthquake. Paul is set free and another member of the Philippian church was born. I'm not sure what the social class of the Philippian jailer was, but his whole household became Christians. And through those simple folk, the church in Philippi was born. And he describes them all as saints. And God's design is that his church we should be knit together as the Church of England prayer has it in a wonderful fellowship together. And the church in Philippi, as Paul writes to it, was marked by incredible joy and incredible sense of fellowship and also with one or two problems. A couple of women who don't get on with each other. I plead with you, Eodica and Syntyche, to agree with each other in the Lord. And there was all sorts of strutting around and arrogance. And Paul brings in this beautiful poem of Christ's humility and says, if you want to get on with each other as saints in the church, think about Jesus and his humility. How are we to see this today? It's mentioned in the Apostles' Creed, the communion of saints. There's a really good worship song, to my mind, which interestingly expresses it the other way round. Not the communion of saints, but I believe in saints' communion. We are knit together, one with the other. And whilst we are, of course, accountable to God as individuals, it's both scary and incredibly joyfully surprising that the person God has most called to help you be a holy saint of God are the people either side of you, are the people you live with and work with. They are saints together for our purpose. So, saints' communion, we are described together. We are the saints of God. We are blessed together. Paul says, if you have any joy in fellowship with each other. And then, of course, we will be forever together. Oh, to live with saints above, what glory that will be. But to live with saints below, well, that's another story. Sometimes things can get tense in church fellowships. And I think some of the best saints, to my mind, I'm probably uh, on my day job now, are those that can somehow smooth the waters of some of the relational issues that go on in local churches. One of my favourites was, this is back in the punk rocker days, a punk rocker came into the church with her friends and sat in the pew of an aged, long-standing member. 
and you could just sense the tension in the whole congregation. And this dear saint of God looked across and said, thank you so much for brightening up my pew. Give us grace to follow his saints in faith, hope and love. Grace of sainthood which is effectual. That's to say, if God calls us saints and he calls us saints, it's his word which is effectual. And so the Greek original in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, is hagos. That's how you're described. You are literally set apart or made holy by God. And because God has done that, it is effectual. It has happened. You can't undo it. God looks at you and sees you as a set-apart one, as a holy one, as a saint, knit together with other people all around you who are brightening up your pews and are equally as holy and cherished and loved as you are because God has said so. Because he has said so, it is effectual. And if God's root and design for each of us is that we should not just be described as holy, we should become more holy week by week and day by day. The person most called to help you in that process is the person sitting either side of you and all around you and in the church with which we belong. Saints of Philippi, the word of the Lord is coming to you if you have any fellowship and joy and tenderness in relating to each other then make my joy complete Paul says grace is effectual it comes from God it speaks to you you are a saint and you will thanks to the work of others on your life be made more holy Cars go to MOT for an oil change and a repad brake doing over or a gearbox change. It's expensive, isn't it? <laughs> Christians come to church to be made more holy. Of course, we want the books to balance. Of course, it would be good to be more diverse. What God wants to see most of all week by week is an increase in the holiness register set apart as holy for God for all time as a saint and being made holy week by week. Sainthood, secondly, we are examples. We become the company you keep. We all need saints and people we admire to follow and invigorate and resource our lives. Surprisingly and scarily, we might be that to other people. Sainthood, which is effectual. God has said it will happen to us. Sainthood, which is an example of those we follow and those who will look to us, sometimes unknown. And then thirdly and finally, sainthood, which is effacing. There's got to be something deeply problematic of someone who gets up in the morning and says, oh, I just can't wait to let my sainthood rub off on everyone else just so I can show how holy and perfect and Christian I am. 
Heaven help us. It just doesn't work. True holiness, true sainthood is always away from ourselves. The real ones, of course, are locked forever in stained glass windows. They've somehow made it. All the northern saints, got to be a few up there and behind me. But of course, the perfect visual aid, saints only shine when light shines on them and through them. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, saints who have gone before us, elected and effectually chosen by God, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one great saint who's made us holy. When we keep that light ever before us, somehow, some way, God will make us more holy, perhaps to the world and those who look at our lives and watch us more saintly by his grace. I'm sure you know this one. Turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, then the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We thank God for calling us to be those who are his saints. We thank God for those who are providentially around us to make us more holy. And we thank God that one day we will be there with others in saints' communion, reflecting the light of Christ that we desperately need to seek day by day in our own lives. We pray together. Grant us grace even this day, Lord, to fix our eyes on you, the one who has made us holy, and enables us to be holy. Thank you for those who have blessed our lives. And we pray in your grace and mercy that despite ourselves you would cause us to be a blessing to others. This we ask to the glory and praise of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.